When I graduated from major seminary, I had about six weeks from the time of my graduation to the time of my ordination. So I moved, packed up my stuff into Detroit, where I spent four years studying theology, and then moved back home to Williston for the six weeks before my ordination. And moving from Detroit back to Williston is a very similar cities, very similar, similar feel, given Williston's growth in recent years. But I mention that because a couple weeks after being home in Williston, I was told that I needed to come down to Bismarck to go to the diocese, the diocesan offices, for a few meetings. Because we had such a large, cla large class being ordained, there's five others, they decided to bring us all in at once to do some necessary paperwork before we would be ordained. And so at the diocesan offices, they had these various rooms set up with representatives to do our business, and we'd go into each room one at a time. So we'd walk into one room, and there'd be a financial advisor to talk about our retirement and 401k, really exciting things like that. Go to the next room, there'd be somebody talking about health insurance, long-term care insurance, those kinds of things. And then we walked into the one room, and we were handed a black binder, a black three-ring binder that looks very similar to this. And I didn't know what it was, so I go and open it up. And there in big letters it says, Last Will, Testament, and Funeral Planning. I thought, okay. <laughs> what a way to start. How many of you, before you started your jobs, had to fill out funeral planning information? Due, it was due in six months. I just got it done a couple, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but it's kind of a strange thing, right, as a 26-year-old, to have to start thinking about things like your last will and your testament and funeral planning. It just felt a bit odd. But the reason I mentioned that this evening, everyone, is because if we listen closely to this gospel... It comes to us from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. And as many of us know, chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of John's Gospel comes to us from the Last Supper. It is known as the Farewell Discourse, the Last Supper Discourse. And if we listen attentively, both this week and next week, when we're offered these readings from those chapters of John, in many ways, everyone, what we're listening to is Jesus' last testament. He's offering to his disciples, in a sense, a way forward. He's telling them that his time is coming near to an end. And so tonight he says, for example, my children will only be with you a little while longer. He's preparing them. But then he also offers them a word of consolation when he says in another chapter, chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. So in this upcoming time of struggle, in this upcoming time when they would mourn the loss of their leader, he's trying to console them. But then he also, as we do in our own wills, our own last testament, he offers them instruction. In the instruction that he gives to his disciples, and in turn to us, 
is very, 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 very simple. And it can be found in one word. Love. This is how others will know that you're my disciple. That you love one another. The mark of the Christian, everyone, is charity. The mark of the Christian is being a person of true and authentic charity. And it's important for us in our own examination of conscience to simply ask, does charity mark my life? Does true and authentic love for my neighbor, my spouse, my children, my parents, those who have hurt me, does that mark my life? Because the instruction that Jesus gives his apostles at the very end is love one another. But as challenging as that may be at times, right? Jesus also offers us something tonight that can help us love when loving gets tough. He says this, As I have loved you, so you should also love one another. I think it's hard for us to love at times because we fail to recognize that the first step in loving is to be able to receive love from God. In order to love, Jesus says, you have to be able to receive love from me. I am becoming more and more convinced, maybe because it's a challenge in my own life, that at times, it's really hard just to receive love from God. The personal love he has for us is what allows us to heed Jesus' words and actually love one another and be a person of charity. So my question for us this evening is, do I give myself permission to be loved by God? Or do I say, ah, no, this is in the past. I can't ever be loved by God. I struggle with this. I can't be loved by God. I fall short here. I can't be loved by God. If we truly want to love, we have to make sure that we're able to receive love. If we truly want to be known as Christians, the mark of the Christian is first and foremost charity. May we be men and women. May we be a parish of true and authentic charity. And in order to do so, everyone, we have to first make sure we're giving God permission to love us. That we're first and foremost giving ourselves permission to be loved by God. Once we can say, yes, I have been loved by him. I am loved by him. Then we can go forward and live this commandment to love one another.